Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Graham Hall on this episode. Graham Hall, 24-7 Sports. Eric Fawcett is coaching and was unable to record tonight, but he will be back after the South Carolina game. We will dive into Florida's win at Miss State. Also, get into the Gamecocks, who come to town with five-star freshman Gigi Jackson, who is one of the more electric players in the country, diaper dandy, um, and uh, should should be fun just to see him at the Odom for all those going on Wednesday night. So, hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. On this episode, I will be joined by Graham Hall of the Gainesville Sun. Graham is going to talk about Florida and this state with me. Uh, get some insights from Graham, who's in and around the practice facility of the team uh, on a regular basis. Eric Fawcett is coaching, and he will be back with us later this week. But we will uh, do our best in his absence to uh, you know, honor the, the spirit of our guy in Canada on the, uh, on the show tonight. So Florida does get a huge win Saturday night, 61-59 in Stark, Vegas. Uh, the Gators um, broke the jinx of the bad starts, so to speak. Um, I guess when they got behind 3-0, it was kind of hard to not think, oh, here we go again. But then Florida uh, really did rally and reeled off eight points uh, or 11 points, hit three threes early, which I think kind of steadied their nerves and and just showed them that, hey, look, we can start a game quick and, and uh, we can make some shots. And it just kind of carried through through the whole first half. Florida's defense was spectacular um, in the game. So I don't think there was any, like, you know, drop off with the Gators defensively. Uh, I thought Florida had a really good scout. We'll get into that a little bit. But I think, um, obviously, Florida won this game in the first half. And then if you want to say Florida hung on or got lucky or, or however you want to put it, um, I don't think anybody in the locker room or on the coaching staff would necessarily argue with that. Uh, obviously, I don't think Florida closed the game the way they wanted to. Um, but the reality is they built a 16-point lead on the on the road, blew a 16-point lead on the road, and uh, still won the game. The Gators have been a very spurtable team all year. Um, they're one of the 20 most spurtable teams in the country, if you believe in that metric. And, and that's a metric that measures – the likelihood of giving up or allowing a 10-point run. Um, Florida gives up a lot of them. Florida also goes on a lot of runs. Uh, that's sort of a product of Florida's great defense and Florida's erratic offense. Um, but, you know, the huge run that Florida made, obviously wouldn't mistake out of tied at 45. Gators going a 15-5 run, get it down, out to 60-50. And then, yeah, I mean, Florida hung on for dear life. But we are going to welcome in Graham Hall. Um, who, you know, I think goes without saying one of the, the elite guys when it comes to covering Florida basketball, Florida sports period, uh, has been at the Gainesville sun. A lot of us remember him from way back when he was at the alligator, it's starting to get to be way back and, and now doing the job at 24 seven sports. Graham, how are you, man? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. 
Always my pleasure. You know, big fan of the show. Uh, always my pleasure being here and talking all things hoops with you, especially. I know you do a great job, and good to catch up with you, man. Thanks, Graham. So big win on Saturday. Um, obviously, you know, let's start with Alex Fudge because I think he finished with with Florida's best plus minus number, uh, plus ten. You know, he does his aggression kind of gets him into trouble. Uh, he's in foul trouble a lot, but just that spectacular block late in the first half that he made off the backboard leads to a layup on the other side, a four-point swing and a two-point win. Yeah, you know, that's a guy who you want to make sure that he is aggressive, obviously, when it comes to, you know, contesting for rebounds, trying to finish second chance opportunities, even though Florida is trying to get back in transition. And really balancing that, I think, is a difficult thing for this team right now, just knowing how poor they were in transition defense earlier on. And then now they lack, I think, front court depth, um, losing C.J. Felder with that temporary absence. Colin Castleton has been in foul trouble a handful of times this season. And then when Jason Jatobo has been in there, he really has not fared well from a not fouling standpoint playing off of two feet. So they really have counted on Fudge to stay in the game. And I think he's done a better job as of late doing that. He's played a, a good amount of minutes in a unit that has relied on a lot of fifth-year guys right now, three fifth-year guys starting in this previous game against Mississippi State. And for Fudge, a 19-year-old uh, you know, sophomore forward who hasn't played a whole bunch, to be playing the amount of minutes that he has, the role that he's in right now, I, I think has been pretty impressive. You know, Earlier this season, he also was shooting the three-point um, shot pretty well. He was 8-20 of 20 to start the season, kind of in a little bit of a lull right there. But when he is attacking aggressively, finishing at the rim, giving Florida some second chance looks. I mean, a couple of those dunks that he had were just fantastic there. When he's doing that, he really gives Florida an edge in the front court that they really haven't had recently. No disrespect to some of the previous guys that have come through here, but they've been a little bit undersized. This still isn't a very, very physical team by nature, but they have, I think, made some tactical adjustments that have kept Florida in games. And if they can get a little more aggression out of a guy like Fudge, who is still improving physically, still not where I think a lot of um, the coaching staff, Victor Lopez, would like for him to be. Could add 15 pounds to that frame still as he continues to develop. For what he's doing right now, to be a little undersized at that four spot um, from a physical standpoint, I think is pretty impressive. And, and it's a big reason why I think that Florida absolutely w- was able to get out to an early lead there and then get some critical stops down the stretch. Although, you know, you go back – no offense to Fudge here. The flip side was still some work to do. You know, go back to that loss on Wednesday at College Station. He, you know, he missed a, a couple free throws there that were pretty critical. That put back would have been huge for Florida. And, and those were consequential possessions, leaving points there at, at the rim and at the line that the Florida really could have used there. I know that they scored 40 points in that comeback, so it's hard to criticize you know, a couple of possessions there. But, you know, those are points that, as a veteran, he will be uh, counted on to make moving forward as he continues to progress um, at Florida. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And it also kind of is a testament to the way he's improving uh, just as a player that, you know, sometimes mentally it can be tough to bounce back when you miss three, four bunnies at the rim like you did in the A&M game and your team loses by two. Uh, you mentioned that he missed a cr- critical free throw late. So 
um, you know, he bounces back and then he leaves the game um, with a precautionary thing, I guess, uh, took a blow to the head. Um, all I've heard is day to day. Uh, I don't think the Gators can look past anyone. So I'm sure if he's available to play tomorrow, they'd love for him to play. Uh, that said, they are playing probably the worst team in the SEC on, I said tomorrow, I meant Wednesday. Um, it's Monday when we record, don't want to scare anybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, Florida has, uh, two games in what, four days coming up against teams in the top five, uh, of the AP poll and, um, a fun trip to Rupp arena as maybe the softest game in a, <laughs> in a three game stretch here. Yeah. A, a pretty daunting stretch. And that Kentucky team took, looks like they've kind of found their you know stride a little bit something a team like Tennessee can't necessarily say right now um I I think that for Florida right now you know if you can go on the road and get a confidence boosting win over South Carolina you're really going to need that because the next four teams on the schedule going to Manhattan to play a Kansas State team that looks really really good really resilient and a hard team to really root against for Florida fans I think also just dealing with everything that Keontae Johnson meant to this program and seeing how, you know, how good it feels just to see that he's playing basketball again. That was something I think a lot of, not a lot of people really thought myself included was ever going to be really uh, a given at the, at the college basketball level. Um, we knew that he was determined, but just with liability and everything uh, it remained to be seen. So to see him not only just doing that, but having success again is fantastic. Yeah. To in my mind and, and his success could come at Florida's on the court here next week. And that's a really good looking team right now. But as for Wednesday at, at home against South Carolina, that's a game that Florida should win comfortably in my mind. A few teams have beaten up on the Gamecocks and they're going to need that confidence boosting win before going on this daunting stretch that really could see Florida go 0-3. And, and, and that'd be really kind of a, a tough pill to swallow. But when you're talking about playing like you said, at Rupp Arena, playing against Tennessee and, and playing, uh, you know, against the, this Kansas State team, a pretty daunting stretch right now for Florida. And they need to maybe steal one of these games to keep their, you know, their bubble conversation a, a positive one right now, Neil. Yeah, and if you want to even look further, Florida's three of the teams in the AP Top 5 are on Florida's schedule in their next four. And the game that isn't a Top 5 team is at Rupp Arena. There is no one in the country that has a tougher four-game stretch uh, down the stretch than Florida does. So if there's a must-win game, and I'm going to get into all that, but if there's a must-win game uh, on Florida's schedule, it was kind of Saturday. And then this one coming up against South Carolina, the Gators just had to get those two games. They did get one of them. Um, like you said, built a huge lead. And I think um, – you know, one thing that's been impressive to me in SEC play has been the play of Kyle Lofton. And I think a lot of people, you know, understandably wish it had happened sooner. Maybe then Florida isn't so desperate for conference victories in the in SEC play because they just couldn't grab non-conference wins and Kyle was struggling. He seems to have found his footing and I think his poise in road games has, has already proven very valuable. Yeah, I, I think that you know, there's this thing definitely that obviously, you know, understandable disappointment where expectations and reality don't align. And for Kyle Lofton, I think that was kind of a good way to characterize his start 
at Florida because this is a guy who suffered two just really unfortunate injuries, a groin injury, which has just kind of lingered with him throughout fall camp. And then he gets back from Portland, gets off this long flight, and all of a sudden, you know, he's dealing with back spasms. And they needed him to continue running the offense because, you know, no disrespect to the rest of the guys on the roster. Denzel Aberdeen, not really where I think, you know, he's at a place where he can consistently run 30 minutes a night, that Florida offense. And, you know, Myron Jones and what those guys bring to the table, you know, they were not Kyle Lofton. He was a guy who was attempting to push through that. And I think you saw a lot of his athleticism um, hindered, especially early in the season. He wasn't great at attacking the rim, was kind of settling for some contested mid-range shots, maybe looked a little bit uncomfortable even getting into his shooting motion. That's all kind of dissipated, and he's really playing, I think, some of his best basketball, as you mentioned, right now. Looks really, really efficient. Just had an all-around game um, against the Bulldogs there with six points, eight rebounds, uh, and six assists. You know, to see him contribute at that level, him and Myron Jones um, combined for 11 assists and no turnovers in that game. And and to get that out of your backcourt, it's massive in my mind. Florida had a leak, um, you know, their most in in league play in assists, 16 against the Bulldogs. And to see that come together when so often in the past, the conversation was about sometimes the lackadaisical passing and the careless passing at times and to see possessions wasted, to see Florida. And they've had turnover woes this season too. I'm not saying it, it is really in, in the far past, but to see Florida play, I, I think, very – clean basketball and make some very sound decisions was impressive to see. And and Kyle Lofton was um, the lead, you know, guy in doing that for Florida. And, and as well, you know, he's not a a guy who's going to tear it up and and go, you know, be great off the dribble and get you 25 points every single night, but he makes sound decisions, takes good shots, finds teammates who are open and really is just plays winning basketball. and, And I think that's what you need. And he just has to make sure that he stays healthy because I think what we're seeing right now is he's a very, very competent basketball player who benefits this team at a very, very high rate when he is healthy and playing with confidence as he's been doing right now. Yeah, he doesn't get sped up, Graham. He um, he kind of makes the other people on the floor play at his tempo, which is a sign of a senior guard who's been an all-conference guard a couple times. Like, He's not rattled. There's some hostile environments in the A-10. I, I promise you, I, I've been to a few of them. Um, you know, so a place like the hump that got pretty loud in the second half uh, didn't seem to rattle him at all. And like I said, you know, he's he's not getting sped up. There's a reason that Florida's turnovers have dropped markedly since sort of the Gators have turned things over to him almost exclusively at the point guard position, as you've as you've alluded to, um, two straight games now where Florida's turnovers numbers have been much better um, and under 10 after, you know, they had 19 against Missouri, but that's sort of what Missouri does. They 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 either turn you over or you score. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think certainly a drastic improvement on that front. And Florida's guards, I mean, you mentioned Myron Jones. You know, I don't know if – Five weeks ago, Myron Jones could have a night where he was one for four from the floor, didn't make a three. And at the end of the night, you said, man, he really made a difference in winning the game. Um, So he has just taken huge steps. And I think you have to credit the staff for just doing things that have made him comfortable defensively in ways that he he wasn't last year. Uh, The way that Florida is defending their drop pick and roll coverage, um, 
the way they just let their guards kind of sit in gaps a little more. It's all very conducive and and helpful to to Meyer, and it makes up for the little bit of athleticism that he lacks. And he's obviously a high IQ kid. Yeah, when you know where to be and when you're consistently in the right spot and you understand your role, you're a veteran player at, at the college basketball at the power six level, that's often going to make up for athletic shortcomings, whatever you want to call them. And and I think that Myron is a, a good uh, case study of that, not even just this year, but in the past when the defense around him has been good and he understands his assignment. He doesn't have to just, you know, crash and, and make up for and try and be someone he's not make up for other shortcomings. Um, I think you're really seeing that this is a guy who can contribute at a high rate as a defensive player. And, and you know, I hate often, often to use, you know, the term narrative, but yeah, that was not what it was for Myron Jones. He was not considered this three and D type guy, uh, a high impact type player. And maybe that was unfair of a narrative to, you know, put him in a box and say that he wasn't that because he was on teams that have, you know, he hasn't really, what he hasn't been to the NCAA tournament um, and now through, you know, four years now in his fifth year of college basketball. But I think you're seeing that with a team around him that it is capable at all, you know, five spots on the floor right now, that that Florida starting lineup has become, um, he can be a very, very good defender. And that has kept him, uh, I think on the floor a lot right now, this season, even when his shot is not falling, like you mentioned, and and obviously he would like to hit a few more threes and is capable and still a confident shooter, but he's showing that that's not going to be the thing that dictates his usage right now. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. And, and you know what I think is interesting that we saw um, Saturday and you mentioned Lofton's eight rebounds was Florida's guards and their willingness to rebound. I mean, Florida only gets out rebounded by four against Mississippi State, who's a great rebounding team. Now, I think some of it was Chris Jans, Miss State's head coach, was super determined to do two things coming in. And this is one thing I thought, like Eric said, it was going to be a, you know, a go to the Newberry Quarry type rock fight. And like <laughs> it was in the second half for sure. Um, but it's funny because Chris Jans is a good coach and he clearly watched Florida's film and said, I'm going to take away their backdoor cuts uh entirely and then we're not going to let them get out in transition too much and so miss state wasn't attacking the glass as much in the first half as they usually do um and so florida actually won the rebounding battle in the first half 24 18 now once miss state got behind they started just throwing bodies at the glass pretty recklessly and they end up winning the rebounding battle but florida's guards like riley kugel had five rebounds um Wasey Reeves had one rebound. Granted, it was a huge rebound in the second half. Um, but uh, other than Wasey, like everybody seemed to be pretty willing to to get up and and attack the glass. And and uh, I think Florida's going to need that because, as you mentioned, they're they're undersized. Now we know Fudge is day to day, and uh, you know Jason does some things well and certainly played some quality minutes the other night. But I don't think we'd call him a a tenacious rebounder. Yeah, certainly. I, I think that once you just mentioned holding Florida in check from a transition offense standpoint kind of allowed them to, in the first half, win that rebounding battle, which was not something that I was expecting, knowing that this is a Mississippi State team that, along with Alabama, one of the two in the SEC that has two guys averaging more than six rebounds per game right now. And to see them and, and you know, Tulu Smith being 
the SEC's second best offensive rebounder behind, you know, Oscar Shibway, you'd think that they would have crashed a little bit more. Um, maybe if they thought that Florida getting out in transition would outweigh the benefit of them getting second chance opportunities, I, I can understand that that thinking, but it, it would have behooved just the way the game is called today right now, especially where there are so many 50-50 calls, let's call them that. You could call fouls on a lot of possessions under the rim, and, and often guys are you know getting called for fouls they didn't commit. But against a Florida team that, as I mentioned, missing C.J. Felder has shown a propensity for guys like Alex Fudge, Colin Castleton even at times this season, and Jason Jatobo to get in foul trouble. I was kind of surprised that Mississippi State didn't attack the rim a little bit more and, and try and get Florida in foul trouble. Um, they certainly did in, in the second half, maybe a little bit out of desperation, as you mentioned, but to, to see it kind of only come out then when Florida yeah. looks like a team that, you know, if, if you can attack them under the basket and, and try and get to the, the free throw line, you know, getting the bonus with, you know, seven minutes left in a half. I mean, you certainly can win a game there. Um, but, uh, you know, this is the Mississippi State team still figuring it out. Absolutely. And, and Florida has made some really, really good, I think, scouting decisions this season and clearly they made the Bulldogs think that they were going to be a threat in transition all night long and get some easy baskets that way and and run away with that one and they adjusted but for Florida's credit I got I got to say you know being able to avoid foul trouble and limit the turnovers against the Bulldogs that's not something you're going to get every single night you're not also going to hit 40 percent of your threes so for Florida to win a game like that um, obviously impressive but they're going to need to continue to, to, to do that moving forward and, and find ways to win some of these upcoming daunting games that are that are on the slate. Yeah, no, I mean, I think to realistically have a chance to make the NCAA tournament, and, and again, I'll, you know, when I get into South Carolina, I'll talk a little bit about it, but, you know, I, Florida probably needs to win one of those three games against top five, top five, and Kentucky. I don't know who they're going to beat, but uh, it seems like, you know, winning one of those games would would really give Florida the signature win that they lack. Um, in terms of, you know, you mentioned one thing. I was certainly surprised at at how now I think Florida did stuff to take it away and has done really well at preventing teams from kind of getting into the paint, which was a a problem early in the season defensively. But I love the idea that Florida had of just, I mean, they didn't double Tolu Smith. Um, Tolu Smith has just feasted against Florida at his collegiate career and um i mean you if you just looked at the box score and saw 12 points and 11 rebounds you'd say oh he had another really nice night but that wasn't really the case i mean florida sort of dared him to make moves and score in the post and he could not deliver i mean his and and that's a good scout to the staff's credit i mean tolu's game is garbage baskets offensive rebounds put stuff back you know, clean up kind of glue guy stuff and it just accumulates. Um, that's how you ended up with what 27 and 14 against Florida a couple of years ago or whatever it was. And I, you know, I thought Florida scout was really good. If Tolu scores 25 tonight, that's fine. We're not going to let anyone around him beat us. And and that's uh, that, that worked. Yeah. I think you definitely saw his limited offensive skill set uh, on display, a guy who, certainly benefits from the way the SEC and college basketball are called where does a lot of damage being aggressive going for putbacks but against a veteran guy like Colin Castleton who is 
faced the SEC's best for three straight years, played in a Michigan front court, has, has played for, what, four head coaches now, has played for, you know, a lot of really, really good assistant coaches too. I mean, he, he is a journeyman in college basketball. I mean, it's, it's going to take a lot more to beat Colin Castleton under the rim than, you know, all flat, you know, all flash and no substance. I'll say that no offense to Toby yeah. Smith, but uh, he, he's, you know, Colin Castleton has played better guys than that. And yep. I think you saw that in Starkville. That, that's not going to be the best forward that he faces all season long. And, I, you know, give Castleton a whole lot of credit for keeping him in check. A guy who, like I said, isn't the biggest guy, but that wingspan and knowing where to be, he really does a good job keeping guys at times off, off the offensive class. And when they have a true four who's able to stay there and crash and, and get rebounds as well and keep the opposition off of their, you know, off of the, you know, the rim, I, I think that this Florida team looks really, really good in the front court right now. And, to, to Florida's credit, they uh, beat another good forward in Smith who, um, you know, that's a guy who could be playing in the NBA um, in a couple of years. So, you know, give Florida a whole lot of credit for, for managing that uh, guy. And, um, you know, they have another very, very tough test coming up, certainly uh, un, un, under the rim on Wednesday night. Yeah, they do. And I'm um, going to get into that here momentarily. I do think that um, – Couple more questions for Graham. Graham Hall, everybody. Uh, you're probably following Graham for various reasons on Twitter, but it's at Graham Hall and the underscore. Graham's had a busy day today because Billy Napier decided that like today would be the day they raided the portal. You can um, tell how as, tired I look, don't you? You can see. It. You can <laughs> see it. Right. I, I knew you'd say something. I I, <laughs> I, already, I see my reflection in here, and I uh, the beard I'm is fantastic. That beard oh, is thank fantastic. You. Um, thank you. Yeah, you're in full like coming NHL the playoff. Coming in. <laughs> yeah, NHL playoff form. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, That's good. Uh, yeah, no. Um, so it's cool to see a guy like Cam Carroll come. Um, I will, I will say that on our basketball podcast, uh, I was wondering if they were going to grab a third running back, and boy, they sure did. Um, but back on basketball, uh. The one thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, and, and Eric and I have kind of bantied this a little bit, but more promising, will Richard going four of five from three and kind of getting off the snide or Kowasi seeing the ball go in? For, I, I got to say probably for Kowasi seeing the ball go in because that is a guy who, and this is just kind of just how I see it, just my opinion that is someone who right now is, even though they're both sophomores, right, is a little bit more emotional of a basketball player right now who really seems to be energized seeing the ball go through the rim. Even if, you know, he had missed his previous three shots, that fourth make, you know, and, you know, that make on his fourth attempt is going to mean a lot to that guy. And he still is, I think, learning to, you know, be Myron Jones-esque where when his shot isn't falling, He's doing a bunch of things that are contributing to winning on, you know, throughout the 40 minutes, whether he's, you know, coming off the bench or playing 30 minutes, either way, that's something that he still is improving on doing and seeing him connect, you know, means a lot, but the staff wants him to be just as energized when he, like you said, gets a critical rebound or he drives to the rim and gets another guy in foul trouble 
gets someone to pick up their fourth foul, and then he knocks down both free throws. Those are the type of plays that maybe that's not a long contested three-pointer, and that's what you think is going to be, you know, your your bread and butter in a sense here. But for Kowasi, it's about doing everything else, being an elite defender, being happy when he makes the winning plays, living with his role. Will Richard is a guy, in my mind, and maybe this is incorrect, but, you know, I I do think that I, I think you and I both can say we've been right before about a prognosis of a player and how good they can be. I'm not joking when I say I think that Will Richard is a future NBA wing. I mean, that is a guy who can guard really one through five, has the ability to affect shots at the rim, can hit from all over the floor. I'm of the, I'm of the opinion that he's Florida's best shooter, not just a three-point shooter, but a, the best shooter. He's great at cutting. Uh, he really succeeds in all aspects in my mind. Probably his worst you know, and I hate even saying worst because that makes it sound like he's terrible in some way just because of the connotation. But the thing that I think he needs to continue working on is being a lockdown defender. He knows this. It's nothing that, you know, I'm not breaking any news to him if he if he hears this. But I think that he knows he has a very, very complete offensive game and continuing to become an elite defender is what's going to get him to the NBA. And I think he's going to get there because of, you know, the trajectory he's already on, how mature he is on and off the court that is the guy who when he goes four or five or when he goes oh of six he is the same exact guy and that is that is a very very impressive attribute for someone who's you know 20 years old to possess already and to be playing their first year of power six basketball to be doing that and playing at that level is is not something that should be taken for granted when i see it it's impressive especially in this transfer day and age, you, you see a lot of players transfer to a higher level and not instantly have that success. I know we've, we've seen guys like, you know, Demoy Hodge and uh, abundance of guys come in from, you know, mid-major schools and have very, very impressive, you know, careers, but there's a lot of guys that don't do that. So to see someone stay humble and find ways to contribute like Will Richard and be doing it in just their second year of basketball is very impressive in my mind. And it's something that, no disrespect to Kawasi Reeves. I, I think he understands that he needs to continue working on being a, a little bit more even keeled at times, like like Will Richard has, has been for Florida. Yeah, no, and I thought like there have been games this year where we've seen Kawasi finish plays and, you know, like he misses a shot. So he follows it up, gets a rebound um, or compete on the glass. Like I definitely think that the missing ingredient with Casey some of it is emotion Kowasi is some of it is emotional some of it is you know I think he gets bothered when his offense uh isn't working you know Billy Donovan used to always talk about how young players that aren't scoring it's like suddenly the rest of their game just falls apart it, it affects them defensively it affects them as a passer and you know it's hard to not kind of stay out of that mentality when you or an emotional kid, or you are, you know, a fiery competitor, or you're not used to being to adversity, which, you know, when we talked about Lacey as a recruit, we said like the sky is the limit for him from a talent standpoint. Um, but he also was playing, you know, as his father would tell you in, at a smaller level of basketball. And there was always going to be an adjustment period. Um, Will Richard is making that adjustment and, I think it is just defense. And in fact, to Graham's point, so 
in the Eric Fawcett role that I'm in tonight, uh, I will add some data to back up a lot of what, what Graham is saying here. You know, Will is the only player that Florida has offensively right now that grades out as excellent at synergy. Um, and then defensively, uh, to kind of flip side things, um, you know, we've seen nice moments from him with quick hands and things of that nature, but only he, uh, Riley Kugel and Trey Bonham, um, grade out below good. They're all at average defensively. Uh, whereas Kowasi, for example, is at excellent defensively, but Kowasi is at average offensively his, his grade. Um, and it's also because right now it seems like Wacy is pressing, so he takes more bad shots than mo- more than most anyone on the team. And I thought it was interesting that like it seemed like his shot selection improved after he saw the ball go in. So I would kind of, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you just because Will, uh, I mean, there were a couple times Miss State left Will Richard that open, and I just kind of thought, uh-oh, I'm not sure they want to do that. Because uh, the game plan for Oklahoma, the game plan for – Auburn, um, those are the two that come most to mind, was to deny him the catch or run him off the line. Like, they weren't going to let Will Richard beat them. Uh, and it's it was interesting to see. Miss State's like, we're going to play the way we play. We'll give up a ton of three-point attempts, but we're going to control the paint. And, um, you know, it ultimately resulted in kind of this huge hole that, that they never – got out of mostly because Florida shot 40% from beyond the arc. Yeah. I think that absolutely when Florida is going to shoot, you know, 40% from behind the arc, it's going to be hard to beat them. Just like it'd be hard for them to win a game. If the opponent's going to do that, you're not going to be able to bank on it every single night. It's pretty interesting to me to hear that Kowasi Reeves is graded out that highly as a defender. I got to give him some credit and I got to say, you know, it's hard speaking bluntly sometimes about a player's current level of development without sounding like you're criticizing them at times, but very I, I hard. Say, you know, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a massive fan of Kowasi Reeves, who he is as a person. He is very, very mature. I hope I didn't make it sound like he's not a mature guy. That's, that's not the case whatsoever. He's been dealt, you know, a difficult situation at Florida, two head coaches, a, a wavering role, being a breakout player at times to earlier in the season, you know, not playing at all at a time, then going to being a starter, having a great game then, and, and now being in kind of an interesting place, like where, as you said, the ball's not really, you know, falling through the net for him. And to see him, he's been handling that very, very well. I think it's showing his maturity and his development throughout his, his career at Florida, you know, still an underclassman, a young guy. And as you mentioned, played, at a little bit of a lower level of high school basketball here. So I think that, you know, he's going to continue to improve and maybe a better defender than people like myself, maybe some fans out there as well. Don't give him a whole lot of credit for, but you know, he's showing that he's more than just a spot up three point shooter. He's attacking the rim a lot more consistently, which has been a consistent message from him uh, to him from coaches, his dad as well, have reiterated the message to him that, man, you're six foot six, go attack the rim, go up and get fouled, dunk it in someone's face. Um, yep. You know, you know, go do that. Um, you know, you have this crazy athleticism. The, the guy was a two sport athlete growing up, played baseball. Um, you know, then he, you know, realized that basketball 
he had elite talent and you're going to keep seeing him develop that. Um, like I said, much better defender, it seems, than I have given him credit for. Riley Kugel as well. I thought he was a better defender um, than those statistics would indicate. You know, a freshman is always going to be tough to assess how well they are as a, 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 you know, within team defense. But the perception was that Riley Kugel had improved as an on-ball defender in understanding his role and just had, you know, good eyes, the ability, you know, quick hands. I'm kind of surprised that he was, um, that, that he, you know, it's just kind of listed as an average defender for, for him. Um, but, you know, that's a guy that I would not be surprised if within a couple of months, maybe we're talking about him considering going to the NBA, just how good he's been shooting the ball recently, the role he's already playing as a freshman, difficult position where there really are not, you know, there's not a ton of talent around him that's making it easy on him necessarily. And I think that he's been pretty effective um, for Florida so far this season. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him consider the NBA draft uh, after this year with the way that he's played. Yeah, I said on a prior pod that I got a message from uh, Sam Vecheny at The Athletic who said that he really reminds him of Moses Moody, um, which is a comparison that I think makes a ton of sense, having watched Moses at Arkansas. And that was a guy who, you know, a little different than what Golden's role for Riley has been because Musk started starting Moody in December. Um, But it took until about February for Moses Moody to just become like, that dude for Arkansas that they use late in games. And I think Kugel is so talented at getting to the basket scoring and he's so quick. Um, You know, I mean, he had just a beautiful layup where he sliced through three defenders and Jatobo did a nice job of walling it off. But I mean, it was like, there's not another player on Florida's roster that could make that kind of drive other than maybe Wacy Reeves. Um, and so seeing that is great. I do think he's better defensively too, Graham, than maybe those synergy numbers uh, dictate. Uh, I just think that right now what happens is he misses a lot of rotations and he's not a great like switch defender yet. So I just think it's like just stuff that you pick up with playing time because I do think he has a high basketball IQ. I mean, shoot, to make that desperation heave that he made – uh, with his back to the basket at two seconds left of the shot clock. Like he clearly knew what was going on situationally. Um, Cause we've seen Florida get shot clock violations where they don't even get a shot up because somebody doesn't know. Um, and that certainly wasn't the case with Kugel. I just think it's just a matter of time. I mean, all the tools are there uh, on defense for him, but so I was with you. I was surprised to see that. Uh, Will Richard was a little less surprising just because as good as he is, like he's certainly not an elite athlete. He's a good athlete, but I think when he gets in trouble, sometimes it's just, Hey, we put Will Richard in a situation where we trust him fundamentally to guard maybe somebody's best player. And that guy's more athletic than him. We saw that in the Oklahoma game, right? Where he gets stuck on uh, Grant Sherfield. And it was just like, well, Sherfield's like the most athletic guy that Oklahoma has. And, you know, a couple times Will Richard was on his backside after a crossover or something. Yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what position. I mean, kind of really a, a true NBA three in my mind, Will Richard, where, you know, he's able to guard 
small forwards, right. guys who are able to, you know, play a stretch four position, be six, seven, or, or a little bit t- a little too tough for him to handle right now. I think that you will see him continue to get a little bit quicker. He, he can get more athletic, I think, moving forward, you know, still kind of a young guy, as we've mentioned here. Um, but he absolutely, you know, when, when he's faced up with a very athletic guy, you're going to see him um, maybe some of his his difficulties as a defender come to the light right now. But, uh, you know, I give him a lot of props for the role that he's playing for Florida. You've seen him at times be used in this trailing role where he's the guy getting back who's defending sometimes the guards near midcourt and then defending a four out on, you know, out near the wing and then dropping down to help double in the low post. You know, he's he's guarding, you know, one, three, five sometimes within, you know, two, three possessions. And sometimes that is going to lead to statistically um, that not translating well for some guys because, you know, that they're, they're, they're being used in this like multi-tool role. Um, I, I think that he has a lot of potential as a defender, but right now he, he's in kind of a situation, especially with Florida moving a little bit more to the small ball and the adjustments in, in the half-court defense and, and stopping transition he's kind of in a situation where I, I think it is going to look not great for him from a statistic standpoint. So you're seeing that kind of come to fruition, but in terms of his potential as a, as a defender in, in the long term, I think that he has a lot of it and he's just going to need to continue to improve and, and uh, get into you know, a situation where he's given a chance to, to, to show that also. Yeah. Kobe Brown was another guy that he got matched up with a few times and that was kind of, referencing what Kobe Brown's such a yeah he's such a big guy I mean that is yeah, a guy like, also who's been there what five years um, yeah, you know with, with yeah, the Tigers at least I mean, one of the rare breeds who signed with the team and has been there I think he's what in his fourth year where he, yeah. he really has stayed with a, a team throughout and now become this 15 points per you know game score who also has the ability to shoot the three-point ball really really well and I, I think that you know, that guy has just got experience and size on a guy like Richard. So to see him match up with him well, confidently, you know, it doesn't surprise me to see Brown get the, you know, quote unquote, best of that matchup. But I think it also just shows Richard's maturity and his versatility as a defender. Yeah. And look, I mean, when we saw Scotty Lewis at Florida, you know, there were some people that wondered, hey, you know, is Scotty really an elite defender, right? And obviously different kind of athlete than we're talking about with Will Richard, but the similar similarity is both time, both guys are getting matched up against the other team's best player constantly. Um, and, you know, so Scotty's like synergy defense numbers weren't as good as maybe he actually is capable of playing on the defensive end. And I think that's just a product of, college basketball sometimes you'll put a really young athletic kid I mean I would have loved to go back and like look at Corey Brewer's like freshman year synergy numbers and just said you know, <laughs> him like, with Noah too I mean those guys were you know two yeah. guys that that absolutely also their roles were um you know probably not going to make it look like that they were good defenders and and sometimes yeah those aren't great indicators of someone's long-term you know Prowess, absolutely. Acumen, whatever you want to call it. So, a guy with great long-term prowess and acumen is Gigi Jackson. He'll be in Gainesville on Wednesday night. Um, monster. That's all. I, I mean, that's all I have to say about the kid. 
Uh, he's an absolute monster. Just dropped 30 against Auburn um, the, the other day. Uh, was instrumental in their lone SEC win, which came at Rupp Arena because college basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, thoughts on uh, on that guy? Uh, I mean, to be doing what he's doing at his age also, <laughs> I, I mean, he only turned 18, what, in December? This is a guy who probably is playing his yeah. own college basketball season. So I, I tell people all the time, you know, watch these games and enjoy the next stuff. You know, so many people tell me that college basketball can be hard to watch and they only love the pros. And I'm, I'm always telling them, yo, listen, it's, it's kind of like watching high school recruiting for the NBA. If you're such an NBA fan, you're getting to see some potential future NBA players, potentially stars too, given the age and how well some guys are playing right now. Sometimes on a nightly basis, even a one-win SEC team like South Carolina can come in here and bring a top-notch talent. You know, I said the same thing about when Georgia came in with Anthony Edwards a few years ago. You're going to get some amazing players, even on these subpar SEC teams. And Gigi Jackson is a perfect example. That guy, like I said, is going to go in the NBA draft. Even if it's in the second round, he's got a lot of potential in my mind. He's probably going to go for 20-plus against the Gators. They're going to need him absolutely to, uh, you know, have a, a tough shooting night which he has had a few of those this season here. But if they can corral him and make him, you know, not get some clean looks at the rim, this could be, you know, a really good win for Florida, a double-digit win potentially. I I do think the story kind of starts and ends with Jackson in my mind. I think the rest of South Carolina's roster kind of average right now. They they do a few things well, but they don't do really anything excellent and, and really aren't a great shooting team around him and and don't really pose a huge threat on the glass which has been kind of the you know the thing that has killed florida at times allowing teams to get second chance opportunities hit three pointers i think that you've seen florida really struggle when the opposition can do that and south carolina is not a team that does that really really well in my mind obviously they come in here with a little bit of momentum getting that win over the tigers but if the gators can you know, keep them in check and keep playing that that top 10 defense that we've seen over the last six weeks. This could be another uh, a bounce back win for Florida and be their fifth victory potentially in six games, which is, is huge in my mind. When you can get that in conference play, that, that's really impressive and, and bodes well. No matter who the opponents are, I know that they haven't been fantastic opponents necessarily, but if Florida can win five of six here in January, that'd be huge. And especially with this daunting slate coming up and they have a chance to do it against the South Carolina team. Yeah. I mean, look, the thing about Florida slate that, you know, again, and I, I will stand by the, the claim that there's not a team in the country. You know, you could limit it to the power six at this point, because everybody's in league play. There's nobody in the power six that has a tougher four game slate than the Gators have. I mean, this is just absolute insanity uh, coming up, but the bright side, I suppose, is that on the back end of that, the only game that Florida won't be favored in is the Arkansas game in Fayetteville. And certainly Arkansas looks like they're vulnerable. We don't know if Nick Smith is going to play again. Um, usually when you're training 1,500 miles away from your campus, it might be a sign that you're not going to play any more college basketball. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, the Gamecocks – are uh, among among their many problems is that they don't have much shooting around Gigi Jackson. Uh, they're 331st in the country in 
effective field goal percentage. Uh, they have a guy in um, Michi Johnson who is a pretty good guard. Uh, he transferred from Ohio State, um, and he's been pretty decent, averaging four assists and 12 points. Um, but neither – beyond that, they don't have much. Chico Carter is their best shooter. He shoots about 46% uh, from beyond the arc. Um but, yeah, I mean, if, if Florida were to lose this game, it would just be because Chico Carter gets really hot and they can't handle Gigi Jackson at all. I do think, you know, just the presence of Alex Fudge would certainly help anytime you get a 6'9", 220 guy that's dangerous uh, from beyond the arc and also getting to the rack. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all Florida fans should watch this game just to get a glimpse of a guy who, who could be, as, as Graham alluded to, I mean, it could be a lottery pick, could go in the second round, hard to know exactly what will happen uh, with Gigi, but it's hard to see him being in Columbia uh, for, for much longer than the year that he's been there. Defensively, Graham, also kind of a mess. One thing that's surprising to me is, like, they don't play – they play zone on 8.5% of their possessions, and so they grade out as an excellent zone defense, uh, which largely is what they did against Kentucky is played zone like half the game. But they grade out as a poor man-to-man defense, and yet they play man on 90% of possessions. That's one of those things where, Graham, you're kind of like, is this a first-year coach who's, like, trying to toe the line? Like, Billy Napier style. Like, I'm going to impose and install my system. And, like, we may take some lumps doing that. Because it feels like it. Yeah, I, I do kind of think if there's a feeling out process all the time when you're still dealing with new personnel. You know, I tell people all the time who, who watch basketball, maybe not super intently, maybe they're more, you know, football fans who come over and keep watching that there's far less development time in the off season for basketball. I mean, you get a handful of practices, 15, 16 practices, you get off season workouts, you, you know, and then you're in the season and you really don't get that much practice time. It's not like a week to week football type scenario where you're getting uh, these extensive practice sessions. Sometimes teams will hardly go. Uh, that That's just really the kind of the case, especially when you have a trim down rotation like Florida, where they're, you know, only playing seven guys, eight guys a night. Sometimes you're really not trying to run guys out of the gym and practice in January. So there is a feeling out on the court process for first year head coaches, especially when they have a really, really young team, which is what South Carolina has one of the younger teams in the SEC here. And I, I think that absolutely, you know, and, and yeah, there's some veterans around Jackson, certainly some guys who who have experience, who've transferred into that program that have experience. But I, I think a team that lacks a lot of winning experience and that, that can kind of make it so that you're still looking for your formula for success, especially when you're incorporating a young 17-year-old guy in the mix and trying to figure out what's going to work for that team. So that's certainly what South Carolina's, you know, figuring out right now. And the last thing that you want when you're Florida, when you're feeling like you're hot and have your things figured out is to let this other team keep figuring their things out against you at the expense of your team. And that's something that South Carolina certainly can do the way that they've kind of made some defensive adjustments. I think that the zone defense aspect of their team, the ability to play some hybrid coverages is pretty interesting right now because you really have seen that in a way dissipate a little bit teams will really stick to just one predominant defensive coverage a little bit more. Now you've seen the one, three, one decline in usage. You're just seeing, I think some very interesting defensive changes in my mind in college basketball and, and to see, you know, the South Carolina team 
make some interesting adjustments in that regard right now. Um, maybe makes them a little bit tough matchup for, for Florida, especially Coach Kevin Hubdy to scout heading into this matchup here. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see if Florida can keep their offensive success going against this South Carolina defense. Yeah, it would be good. Florida kept seeing the ball go in as they get ready for Kansas State on the weekend too, but can't look ahead. Um, you already alluded to it, kind of. I'm certain that 18 to 23-year-old kids won't at all be thinking about playing Keontae Johnson on the weekend and totally focused on a South Carolina team with a bad record, Graham. I'm 100% confident in that, uh, said no one ever, I think. So, you know, you just never know um, in in these games. And certainly I don't think it's, it's one that Florida uh, can't afford to lose. Florida also welcoming home Eddie Shannon, who's on the South Carolina bench. Um, and uh, I'm sure South Carolina's players will be pretty pumped to play for Coach Shannon who uh, I think um, is really instrumental in laying the, the foundation at Florida uh, for a program that now has 1,500 wins. And as, as uh, we tweeted out at, at uh, FBH the other night, the second most wins in the SEC since the introduction of the three-point shot, which feels like a decent barometer. Like, that doesn't seem like a cheap a cheap like recency bias thing, right? Like what's somebody going to say? Oh, you're being, you know, like since real basketball, I like, like, that. Well, I like it. Mo- modern basketball. That's Florida a good, this, you know, ABA NBA merger type thing, you know, pre- right. It's like ADBC type thing. Post yeah. three point shot. I like it. I like it. Post three point shot. It's Kentucky and then Florida. That's the, that's the top two. So Tennessee, Alabama, the schools that actually have more total program wins. Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, those don't count here. Right. I don't even have to get into the integration debate and make people mad. Um, you know, I can just I can just say, hey, second most SEC wins since the pulled out of your pocket. Yeah. Boom. It's one you got. But we'll be glad to welcome uh Coach Shannon home. Yeah, that'll be good to see. Certainly, you know, Florida's played a bunch of former assistants maybe kind of a pipeline in a sense here, not even just the Georgia game, you know, early on this season, um, you know, the coach of, at FAMU, right. Um, played at Florida yeah. on the 94 team. Uh, his name yeah. escapes me right now. I feel Craig, horrible Craig about Brown. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There we go. Yep. And uh, Dusty May, obviously what he's doing um, in Boca Raton is incredible. Give him a whole lot of credit. Um, obviously, Don, you know, Donnie, Donnie, Donnie Jones. Jones. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there, there've been a, you know, that was three early in non-conference play. Um, then he had Lon Kruger in the building, um, for his induction a couple weeks after that, then Mike White comes to town. So it has absolutely been a, a slew of familiar faces coming into Gainesville here recently. And it's going to continue with Shannon. That it will, that game, uh, what time is that game at Graham? That's a good question. <laughs> I want to say seven o'clock. I got to check. Seven there o'clock it is. it is. Seven o'clock. Yep. All right. Well, seven o'clock. Um, so until then, y'all make sure you uh, check out Graham's work at 24-7 Sports. Follow Graham at Graham Hall underscore. Read all about Cam Carroll, um, one of the stars of Tulane's New Year's Six Bowl winning team. Um, Florida hasn't won a bowl game in three years, so I wouldn't be knocking winning a bowl game at Tulane. My friends, that's right, baby. Especially when you beat Southern Cal, who has imported most of the Florida offensive line for their college playoff run. Graham, thanks for recruiting.
<laughs> Thanks for being with us, buddy. My pleasure. Y'all take care out there. Thanks for having me, Neil. We got to do it again soon. Absolutely. So that is our show tonight. want to thank you guys for um, listening. And uh, go Gators. Keep attacking closeouts.